millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wait, you want to be Becky Two Belt so bad, right? Oh, no! That's the news, is that Ring of Honor, no shows until Supercard in March. that time again it is only the flipping cultaholic.com wrestling top 10 this is where we take a look back at the biggest stories of the month just gone i cannot do this on my own i need need i need the tribal editor-in-chief at cultaholic.com i'm joined by mitch wadden how are you mitch and i need you and I miss you. You've started me off already, Tom. Look you have started you. me off already. You bloody love a sing song when we do these. I, I've noticed a little trend that when we get together, you bloody love a sing song. Something about when me and you sit down and just chat news, Tom, it just it puts magic. a song in my heart. It just makes magic. It's a beautiful thing. Like we're, we're recording this in November. I can't mm. believe we're in November. And people are saying to me, what are you doing for Christmas? And I... <sighs> I know. <sighs> I, I don't want to know. I don't want to think about it. It's scary. We've just had Halloween. Did you do anything fun for Halloween? Uh, we Well, the plan was, like, we don't really, like, I don't like the idea of going out for Halloween. It, it makes no. me break out in hives. So I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't begrudge anybody going out and having a good time for Halloween. It's not my, not my realm, so I don't. Um, but mm. I know we, we decided that we were going to have a night and we were going to watch Hocus Pocus and we were going to have uh, a spooky oh, tea. Job. Didn't figure out how that was going to work. But we just did. Uh, but then mm. I ended up work. Alex ended up working early. So I'm like, she was at the house at like 4 a.m. on Sunday. And I ended up working late and I didn't get in until 7. So we started watching uh, a bit of Bailey Sarian on YouTube. We love a bit of Murder Mystery and Makeup Mondays. And, uh, and then Alex fell asleep. So... <laughs> <laughs> we did it that was pretty much our halloween oh, i'll tell you spooky. I'll, I'll tell you something non-spooky that that was a, a big development in my house uh, for over october big development in my house um i bought a nintendo game boy color <laughs> that's outstanding i went wretch everyone else in the office has bought ps5s nah mate Game Boy Color, yes, eh? Fraser, Fraser was telling me about this. There seemed to be a, a spate of uh, links being shared around the work chat for, for PS5s, and, and now everyone seems to be next-gen. What's going on, Tom? I don't, I don't like it. That's why I, I think that's why I rebelled and got a Game Boy Color in Super Mario Land 2. I think that's why I did it. It was a rebellion. Although the, the last time there was that level of excitement over 
shopping online in the office was the was air fryer gate from September. Oh my gosh! Do you yes. remember air fryer gate I in our re- place? I do. Everyone got really excited. Did they turn up? No, they all got cancelled. No. So I, that's in case you missed this, an air fryer went on sale on Amazon for like thirty eight p. So mm. we're like all ordering that. And and it turns out to be an error from Amazon, and one by one they all get cancelled and just devastate. I think well, mine was one of the last ones to get cancelled, and then you were was, holding on. Oh my mate, it, I was it was tantalisingly close, <laughs> tantalisingly close to getting an air fryer for thirty odd p, and it never happened. So hey, never. That was, but but look, that was the month before this one, and we are about <laughs> to talk about the month after that one. <laughs> Confused. <laughs> So are we. You will be. <laughs> Let us take a look at the big wrestling stories from October of 2021. Since 2002, we have created excellence together. Welcome to Ring of Honor Wrestling. Honor is real. Right, our first story of the day. Uh, and it's a real sucky one. It's one that came through just at the end of the month, the end of a wrestling era. Isn't that right, Mitch? It is, Tom. It's a really sad story to kick off this uh, this month's podcast. Ring of Honor announcing a uh, temporary shutdown and the subsequent release of all talent from their contracts. So if you have missed this one, uh, ROH put out a statement towards the end of October announcing uh, plans for a temporary shutdown in the first quarter of 2022. The statement read, throughout the pandemic, our top priority was to keep everyone healthy and safe. And despite not producing any live events over 18 months, we were able to keep everyone fully contracted. We now find ourselves at a time when we need to make changes to our new business operations and are planning a pivot for Ring of Honor with a new mission and strategy. The year will culminate with a final battle in December and we'll be taking the first quarter of 2022 to work internally to reimagine ROH. ROH has the most dedicated fans in the industry and we appreciate their loyalty and patience as we reconceptualize Ring of Honor. We anticipate returning to live events in April with a new fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for wrestling fans. And as we've just touched upon, Tom, this uh, in, it also includes the uh, releases of every uh, ROH uh, wrestler and talent from their contracts at the end of the year. If their contract goes beyond that, they're being paid up until the end of March. Mm-hmm. So this, um, so Ring of Honor, they've got a couple more tapings and then it's final battle. And then it's a break, presumably until Supercard of Honor. Um, mm. This, this, the timing of this is bad because this is as wrestling seems to be getting back up and running again. Uh, it's the end of Ring of Honor. Uh, a lot of people put this down to sort of Ring of Honor being pushed out of the the business in a way and not out of spite. It's just the fact that Ring of Honor built itself on being just purely great wrestling. And then when all the other promotions started doing great wrestling, they they kind of struggled a bit, didn't they, Mitch? They did. And, you know, you can highlight the emergence of of AEW as the real big sort of, with with hindsight, the... uh, the real big, I don't want to call it a nail in the coffin because that implies Ring of Honor is not coming back and mm-hmm. we all want to see Ring of Honor back. But that was a, a really big uh, setback in hindsight for, for ROH. And AEW is doing pure wrestling better than anyone at the moment in the, uh, the United States and across the world. Um, and that was a real hard hit for, for Ring of Honor. Um, it, it's a really horrible story and we can only hope that we're going to see ROH back in, in some form. 
So the talent have all been released from their Ring of Honor contracts. Obviously, there are still some obligations with the tapings and then final battle. Uh, but the the announcement came with the information that all Ring of Honor Ring of Honor wrestlers, staff, talent could start taking uh, bookings elsewhere. Effective immediately and uh, th- we've seen already a few a few of these guys already be snapped up for other events uh, bandido has been announced for gcw in december i think bandido the reigning ring of honor champion may become the one of the busiest guys on the indies over the next few months i think so i agree i, I think he's going to have a calendar filled with events with uh, shows with matches he will be a busy busy boy Session off Martina put out a tweet saying Ring of Honor has been absolutely amazing throughout this whole pandemic. And, and this is a thing that we we mustn't lose sight of, Mitch, is that we're in a in a in a time where you know the biggest wrestling company in the world was laying people off, uh, Ring of Honor paid talent when there were no shows. Like they honored the contractual obligations, and there was a perfectly, perfectly good mitigating circumstance to not do that. Uh, but they did. And and I think that it's a real classy move uh, from Ring of Honor and Sinclair and, and kind of sadly is one that probably exacerbated what we're seeing now. You've been paying all this money for so long and now, you know, you've kind of you're kind of running out. It's it's a real classic sign of sometimes doing the right thing can be really costly mm-hmm. um yeah and, and it's really sad as, as you rightly touched on tom when you've got the biggest wrestling promotion in the world citing the the covid pandemic as a reason to get rid of literally hundreds of names from their books you know wrestling promotions worth of talent um and at a time when they're still making record profits explain that one um ring of honor has has tried to do the right thing and all credit in the world to, to ring of honor for looking after their talent first and almost sort of negate, not negating, but not worrying about what the uh, impact of that would be until it came along. Um, And you have to give them all the credit for for looking after the people in their company. What's your feeling on this reconceptualization of Ring of Honor? Mitch, do what do, you know? The plan being that all being well, we will see them again in March for Supercard of Honor. Uh, what do we think this new Ring of Honor is going to look like? It's a good. Oh gosh, it's a really hard question. It's a good question. I think it's the question on everyone's mm. lips. Um, so full transparency, you know, my sort of uh, relationship with Ring of Honor is probably a bit more. Again, in hindsight, you know, watching classic matches eight to ten years after the fact, um, as my own sort of knowledge of wrestling grew as I got older. Um, and it's going to be really difficult to see them go back to that because as we've already as we've already touched upon, there are other promotions doing that on a bigger scale, and you know, let's be fair, better now. Mm-hmm. Um, so where does Ring of Honor slot in? Is a really, I mean, it's the, it's literally the million dollar question because that's the difference between Ring of Honor coming back and sadly maybe not. I mean. Tom, as someone that's, you know, you've done your share of work in, in independent wrestling in the UK. Well, where, where do you think Ring of Honor sits in the future? I think it's going to be one of those promotions where we aren't going to see talent signed to Ring of Honor exclusive deals. I think Ring of Honor are going to kind of become like almost like a super indie, like a hyper indie. Like, I don't think it can go back the way it was before. I can't go. It can't shrink. I think it has to sort of maintain <clears throat> this sort of side. I can see them doing... Um, because obviously the Sinclair TV deal still stands, and I think that is still a valuable 
uh, part of Ring of Honor's plans. Uh, so it's a case of, I think, well, it'll be blocks of tapings, maybe a more fast-paced, more sort of lean towards more sports entertainment style of show, something to bring in some new, more casual eyes. I think when, and in terms of how they will do it, I can see them going the impact wrestling route, taping like six, seven weeks worth of television in a couple of days and putting on special events like every so often. Obviously, the, the risk with that, and we've seen this happen with Impact Wrestling, is a number of things can happen with that talent during the time that you're playing out these TV shows. It could be a case of he they get, um, they get signed by WWE, they get signed by AEW, they could suffer an injury, which leaves them out of future plans. So that is a risk that you will be running when you if you if and when they do these sort of block tapings when they come back um but in terms of its appearance i think it's got to be it's got to be a bit more it's got to be a bit more glitzy i think it's going to be a bit more sports entertainment esque i know many purists will be upset with that but as we've said as you've said Mitch as i've said as many have said so many people are doing what ring of honor built its built its foundation on and some mm. are doing it much better so now is the time to as they say reconceptualize and find uh, a new a new thread a new thread for ring of honor to pull on it was but- um it was interesting to read uh, Joe Coff's sort of comments on this when he spoke to, to PW Insider after the announcement was made. So for uh, anyone not aware, Joe Coff is uh, Ring of Honor's COO and he was talking about the decision and, and how the pandemic has affected that. And, and he sort of reflected on, as we've touched upon here, you know, there was an opportunity for, for Ring of Honor to maybe go a bit bigger around the time that AEW was introduced and, and they didn't go down that route. And there was a bit of a, what could have been, I mean, it's an interesting hypothetical, Tom, isn't it? You think, could Ring of Honor fill that gap? It could have, who knows? I, I, I think they would have needed to do what they're doing now, which is reconceptualize uh, in order to do that. Because I think the Ring of Honor that, it, that was built and kind of it lived and breathed, I don't think was the product that was going to bring eyes in. I think if it was going to, it would have done it by now. Because Ring of Honor isn't just like a, like a, 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 a baby-faced wrestling promotion ring of honor has been there since 2002 like it was mm. like next year's its 20th anniversary since it's since its first show if, if if i'm right in my maths or was it oh three either way like it's a long time that they've been doing their thing and um and they have to do something different to, they have to give a different feel and a different style and a different pace to it in order to to freshen it up. And we'll see what happens with Ring of Honor in the months to come. This past month, we saw SmackDown and Rampage go up against one another. WWE SmackDown and AEW Rampage for half an hour went to war on a Friday night. What went down here, Mitch? The Friday Night Feud. That's now trademarked WWE, so uh, send money <laughs> to uh, care of Mitch Warden at Coldaholic Towers. Um, yeah, so Friday 15th of October, you know, there was a bit, it was all exciting, Tom, because WWE SmackDown and Rampage for a whole 30 minutes went head to head on US cable television. Oh my word, how exciting. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and obviously the, the biggest story out of it. So 
let's give a bit of context. SmackDown went to two and a half hours for one episode, meaning that they would be cutting into uh, what would be rampage time between 10 and 10.30 p.m. U.S. time. Uh, so the biggest story out of this was, duh, 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 in that half an hour overlap, Rampage beat SmackDown in the crucial 18 to 49 demographic. Now, this led to uh, a certain Tony Khan, who we know can be a little um, a little loud, shall we say. A bit of a cheeky media. chappy when it comes to he, these things. He can just be a little bit pokey. Uh, <laughs> he, he got a little bit of vocal on the old social media and that spun from there. And Eric Bischoff got involved and all. It's very exciting. And I think there's... <laughs> There's a lot to this, and I've been poring over the rating stuff since, probably since uh, CM Punk's return, probably since August, and keeping an eye on how those ratings trended, it's particularly, in, you know, they all appeal to the American cable audience, and it's there's something and nothing in it at the same time, but we ha- it does have to be said, it is very big news, because it's the first time in over 20 years that a WWE product has been beaten. It is. And that's and that is an important thing to note. And Eric Bischoff sticking his oar in, I think, is crucial as well. Some of the things that went down there. But to but to go back to before we get into it, I like to go to the ratings themselves. So, yes, hmm. in that 18 to 49 demographic, it was a win for AEW Rampage. And and as people have said, OK, the key demographic, that's true. They won. Smackdown still won overall, like the overall Absolutely. ratings. It was there was never in question that SmackDown would be AEW Rampage, never in question. But it was just that the win in that demographic is very interesting and is noteworthy for that reason. Does it mean that Smack WWE is about to end? No. Does it mean that AEW is about to take over as number one? No. There's so much more to do. It was more a, a moral win that Tony Khan absolutely ran to the uh, ran, you know went to the races on and. Eric Bischoff making comment. I, I'm I'm fascinated by this because Eric Bischoff is the guy that the last time this happened to WWE, it was under the under w, it was WCW under the watch of Eric Bischoff. And Eric Bischoff made a point to, to, to shout from the rooftops just how much better WCW was to WWE at every opportunity. And I just found it funny for even Eric Bischoff to be telling Tony Khan, hey, calm down. Right, there's nothing. And Tony Khan bit. And that is the only reason why I think Eric Bischoff is continuing to talk about AEW. He's made comments about how AEW has plateaued. He's making comments about how CM Punk isn't right for the company. Like, like this, I, Bischoff knows that he, he's rented an apartment in the head of Tony Khan. He's moving furniture in as we speak. And he's going to needle Tony Khan because of course he's going to needle Tony Clark. Tony Clark, Tony Khan. Tony Clark's a, a guy my dad drinks with. Um, he doesn't run AEW. <laughs> Um, he's going to needle Tony Khan uh, every opportunity because Tony Khan, he, he, he bites. He does. He does. And I think that's why Bischoff's still going off at him. And it's, I, I, th- I think let's not lose sight of the fact that it is, as you say, the first time in many years, in, 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 over, in over decades, that this result has happened and this put WWE on the back foot for that. I mean, let's not lose sight of that. But I think Tony Khan's, uh, subsequent reactions is where a lot of a, a lot of criticism has has been drawn towards AEW. <laughs> 
excuse me while I catch my breath because I've gone all pink, thoroughly enjoying your uh, your moment in the sun there, Tom. That was incredible. <laughs> I want that clipped and shared everywhere, please. Which and- which one? The bit about me and Tony Clark, bit me and my dad's mate Tony Clark. <laughs> Oh, just amazing. Just all of that was was immense. That will be on a best of 2021 somewhere. Yay, I can't wait. I'll take that. I'll take that. Look, um, I, it's you're absolutely right. We can't lose sight of the fact that this was a in within the context of what we know about ratings and WWE and AEW, this is a big win for AEW, but it is a small victory in a if you want to call it such, a much, much bigger war. And SmackDown claimed, I think, something like 2 million viewers compared to AEW's, uh, you know, I don't know, seven, 800,000 overall. Um, Tony Khan, if I remember correctly, and I'm sure someone will tweet me if I've got this wrong, mm-hmm. uh, to- Tony Khan, I think, needled Eric Bischoff to begin with by saying we're going to avoid the mistakes that Bischoff and, and WCW made. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. So, I mean, uh, but I do also, I completely agree with you. It's, I think we've written more articles on coldholic.com this month that start with the name Eric Bischoff than we have done in the last six months. He knows what he's doing. He's a mastermind, yeah. is Eric Bischoff. But he's, com- it, the best thing Tony Khan could do is ignore him. <laughs> yeah. That's what you can do is ignore the him. The best thing Tony Khan could do is actually to take Eric Bischoff's advice and shut up for a week. And mm. that's not a criticism of Tony Khan because I think he's very entertaining and it yeah. keeps this... It keeps this narrative of, you know, if you want to believe there's a wrestling war, if you don't want to believe there's a wrestling war, whatever you want to believe, it's entertaining. And that's ultimately what this business is all about, about making people, it's it's escapism. It's forgetting your daily life and concentrating on this absolutely crazy industry. I think a lot of detractors for AEW, like a lot of what Tony Khan says on Twitter is very much fuel for that fire. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Maybe there is something in what Eric Bischoff says when he says to Tony Khan, "Shut up and focus on the wrestling." <laughs> just and then just but seeing as we're you know we're talking about ratings on the whole, you know we've touched you've touched on this. Uh, the most recent thing Bischoff said is uh, the potential that AEW may have plateaued in terms of their ratings. Yes. What do you think on this, Tom? Because as we know, at their peak, I think AEW have hit 1.1, 1.2 million, which is still away off WWE, but still also, it, it can be off WWE, but still a good rating for a second wrestling promotion. Having bought in CM Punk and Brian Danielson and these names that are meant to quote-unquote move the needle, can AEW get any bigger? Well, here's the thing, like, you've, you've got all the pieces for the for the chess set, and now you need to play chess. Like, you've, you've mm. bought in CM, and like, I think a lot of people go, it's, it's, it's like... <laughs> A lot of people go, right, CM Punk's there. Why isn't anything happening? What are you waiting for? Yes. Something amazing, I guess. Like, you just they brought them in, and now it's time to use those people to tell wrestling stories. I am firmly of the belief that you tell great wrestling stories and people find you. Like, the best story in AEW at the moment, and we're going to get to it in our next bit in a moment, is, uh, is the, the story of Hangman Page. And he's an AEW original. You know, and there's, I would argue there's, there's a more excitement around a Hangman Page than CM Punk right now. But you've got CM Punk on the roster. You've got Brian Danielson on the roster. You've got Adam Cole. You've got an incredible uh, birth of talent, a girth of talent, a depth of talent. Now it's time to actually use them 
in stories, in, in matches, in angles that, that really draw eyes in. And as tell, get me some long-term storytelling with guys like CM Punk and guys like Brian Danielson and guys like Kenny Omega, which they have done with Paige. And mm-hmm. we are having a wonderful time. Let's talk about the, you know, you talk about the roster that they've got at AEW. And I, and I know, you know, we could talk about this for hours, so I don't want to stay on mm. this subject for too much longer. But there's almost an element that AEW and Tony Khan, to an extent, it's, I think we've used this analogy before, it's a, a, a lad playing with a train set and then getting <laughs> a bigger toy. And that's not a criticism, but everything that's, every big story around AEW this year has been the next big star to come in. It's been Malachi yeah. Black, then it's been Andrade, and then it's been, you know, CM Punk, Brian And you Anderson, can't survive on that. You can't live you can't. on, you can't survive on shock pops because like that well runs dry very quick. Like once, you know, you, if you can't, and, and I, and I hope that this is a company that doesn't think like that, where they go, mm. Oh, big, a big announcement, big announcement. I want some stories with these people you've got now. The roster's solid. Tell me some great stories, bring some new eyes across it- that way. And just to give a, a sort of comparison, which I, you know, I'm going to, oh, this WWE Mark, Mitch, oh my goodness me. But go back, <laughs> back to Edge's return at the Royal Rumble last year. My memory is a 2020 Royal Rumble return. Edge comes back after almost a decade away. The very next night, you know, you've got big, bigged up Edge's first appearance on Raw in however long, and you set the scene for the next story. Orton turn, Randy Orton turns on Edge and you know you're off to the races. And it's a really big shock moment strike while the iron is hot and i suppose the criticism of the the cm punk stuff specifically could be as you rightly said tom all right we've got cm punk now what now what now give me a thing for cm punk to do that's gonna uh, draw my eyes and draw me in rather than just having matches let's get a compelling story with cm punk in let's do that and you will see i genuinely think you will see the needle move all elite wrestling continues to reshape i got the time and i ain't going Reimagine and reignite the fire. One fan at a time. On Saturday, November 13th, the men and women of AEW will continue to break boundaries one extraordinary match at a time. The elite era of professional wrestling has a run. Staying with Tony Khan, staying with AEW, did Tony Khan spoil the card for full gear, Mitch? Yes. Next segment. <laughs> yeah, he did. Look, I'm sure everyone has seen this, but let's uh, refresh the uh, the memory. So uh, <laughs> Khan was photographed at a uh, NFL game between his beloved Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, a, a photo taken by AP Images uh, showed Khan clutching a notebook tight to his chest like a mother might hold a baby. You know, he was very proud of this notebook. My baby! <laughs> Keep your hands off my baby! This is my baby. My baby. Um, it's, it's, it's all gone downhill already. Anyway, <laughs> eagle-eyed social media users noted that the page shown on the outside of the notebook appeared to have the planned matches for AEW Full Gear 2021 written out quite scrappily. It's very reminded me of my handwriting. It was awful. <laughs> I think um, generally our handwritings have all got worse over, yeah. the, over the years, just because now we all type everything. Everything is, is typed. I found, mm. I had to write a birthday card last week and I had to go and buy another birthday card because I ruined <sighs> it. Are you a lefty or a righty? I'm a lefty. See, us lefties, I have a nightmare when it's writing. Let me guess, you smudged the card. 
I did smoke the card. There you like, go. Horrendously. It was unsavable. Um, should we talk more about AEW? No, we should talk about handwriting. No, we shall talk about this. So, uh, calligraphy. Big- Welcome to the Coldholic Calligraphy podcast. Coldholic Classic Calligraphy Review. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> so the uh, yeah, so the wonderful people at Associated Press have such good cameras that you're able to zoom in on what somebody is holding, and lo and behold, mm. through the scrappy handwriting, we were able to decipher uh, some of the early thoughts for the AEW Full Gear card, weren't we? We were. So uh, Khan had hastily written uh, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page, which we know we are getting. Uh, John Moxley versus Brian Danielson, which many assumed would be the final of the world title eliminator tournament. Um, it's highly unlikely we're now going to see that no. uh, due to the uh, announcements made uh, earlier today. Um, Inner Circle versus American Top Team. That's been confirmed, hasn't it? I think that one's been announced. Yes, they're having a um, uh, they're having a street fight. That's yes at the show. M- MJF versus Darby Allen. We we know Darby's challenge MJF. Mm-hmm. Uh, CM Punk versus Wardlow was on there. We seem to be going towards Punk versus Eddie Kingston now. Uh, having uh, watched last week's Rampage, it seems that way, and, I, and I'm I'm a bit more invested in Punk versus Kingston. I'll be honest. I am too. I am as well. Um, Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargill. That should be a good match. Again, not sure whether that one will be a thing. We know that Thunder Rosa spoke about uh, suffering a concussion last of month. Course, yeah. So potentially that's off the cards, but obviously we'll, you know, a time of recording, we'll, we, 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 seem to, we seem to think that's the case, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, Christian Cage versus Adam Cole. That would be a lot of fun if we get that. And um, Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. Uh, it was also noted that uh, Britt Baker would be defending the women's title. We obviously know that's going to be against Ty Conti. And um, Cody Rhodes was down as competing against either Malachi Black, Andrade or Miro. Now, obviously, in the, in the weeks since Cody has faced Malachi in a third match on AEW Dynamite, he's facing Andrade tonight, I believe, at time of recording. Yes. Uh, so that would suggest Miro unless plans have changed elsewhere unless so, they do another unless they do a rematch with Andrade at the pay-per-view yeah or, or they do give us Cody versus Malachi 4 we don't do rematches in AEW <laughs> <laughs> I think that Malachi Black Cody Rhodes feud I like to think is now done like that I, I think so I, and it ended kind of the way I knew it would which is Cody's saving the day uh, from Malachi Black. We need a hero. Oh, he's the best baby face. He's so good. <laughs> you couldn't even finish that He's sentence. the best. But you know what? The more I see of Cody, the more I realize, ah, you are a heel. But you're not telling mm. me you're a heel. You cheeky little chap. I like this. Um, yeah, so it's, I think... I wouldn't be shocked if we get Cody and uh, Andrade or if we get Cody versus Miro. There's been no massive builds to that, but we'll see. We no, will I'm, see. Uh, Ken, I mean, look, when this card was quote-unquote spoiled, and, and it's, it's important to say that Tony Khan sort of said in an interview afterwards, like, oh, you know, maybe I, you know, he almost, he tried to play it off, didn't he? I, I, maybe I just put it out there to tease you and, uh, you know, well, no, that's, he made that, out like basically... this is what I was doing all along. This is all. Yeah, it's like well, no, th- this was the card, Tony. Look at what you booked for the show. Um, right, thanks, Tony. Cheers for that. But generally, 
quite a good card. Good I'm card. And I think that's the takeaway from this is that everyone's kind of going, oh my God, you've spoiled the card. But you know what? We've all stepped away and gone, nah, that's a good card. <laughs> yeah, fine with that. It's all right yeah. with that. Very I'm, intrigued I'm by that. I'm happy to watch that for four hours. Uh, what's that, a week Sunday? That'll be good fun. Is it a week on Sunday? Gosh, that's ro- that's come round, isn't it? That has come round. It's not far off at all. Uh, Yeah, so, So, I mean, what match on there are you you looking forward to and why is it Adam Page versus Kenny Omega? (laughs) (laughs) It's Adam Page and Kenny Omega because I think this is the time, Tom. I think this Mm -hmm. is the trigger being pulled on the culmination of one of the best, yes, the best wrestling narratives ever told. And I am all here for it. I'm really, really happy to see this. It was the... It was the opening match at last year's Full Gear. It's the main event of this year's Full Gear. It's a story that has been beautifully woven and been on peaks and valleys, and I love it. And I'm really, really excited to see what we get from AEW Full Gear and that main event. Look at the smile on Xavier's face. Oh! Now, WWE have made their way to Saudi Arabia once more. Last month, we had WWE Crown Jewel in 20, 2021. What what do we take away from Crown Jewel, Mitch? Uh, well, WWE took away literally buckets loads worth of cash. <laughs> All the money ever. All the money ever made, ever. Um, for me, I took away a, a very good wrestling show um so it was the first saudi show since the covid19 pandemic and i think what we've learned from this one tom largely well one what we already knew that these shows are lucratively uh big for wwe and it's worth them doing but also that these saudi shows are now going to be canon for want of a better word they're going to sit within the wider wwe narrative a quick rundown uh it was certainly a card worthy of a wrestlemania roman reigns successfully defending his universal title against brock lesnar with nefarious shenanigans um biggie keeping his wwe title against drew mcintyre in a in a big beefy boys match mm. um becky lynch defeating sasha banks and bianca Belair in a, a, a fantastic a really really fantastic triple threat match uh, for the raw women's title uh, Edge and Seth Rollins, they set the pace with, quite frankly, one of the best Hell in a Cell matches ever to start the show. Um, we saw uh, Xavier Woods crowned King of the Ring. Zelina Vega is uh, won the Queen's Crown Tournament. Goldberg beating Bobby Lashley in a no-holds-barred match. That wasn't a typical Goldberg WWE match. Um, you know, some people on social media have said Crown Jewel was the best WWE event of 2021. And I don't think you'd be far wrong with that. In ring, it was excellent, pretty much top to bottom. Um, the, as you say, the Hell in a Cell, certainly up there, if not the best Hell in a Cell match. A wonderfully told story between Edge and Seth Rollins. Uh, and yeah, you, you, you've you hit a lot of the points that I hit as well. Uh, on a, on, from, from like... Um, from a Saudi Arabia point of view, from a crowd, from a Saudi Arabia show point of view, uh, how do you feel? And it might, it's a bit of a non one, but how do you feel about the idea that now these crown jewel shows are going to become more canon? For me personally, I feel better about it actually mm. because it, it always felt um, it always felt a bit strange to sort of suspend the story for the sake of a show halfway around the world. 
you know, I sort of go back to the, I suppose Crown Jewel, was it 2019? It must've been 2019 when we had uh, DX versus Brothers of Destruction and uh, sort of, you know, other shows with Goldberg, Taker and these big sort of almost um, uh, unnecessary stories within your, your WWE Raw and SmackDown product overtake that because they have to, they have to spin that narrative for this one-off show. One of my favorite ones ever, uh, Triple H versus Randy Orton. I can't remember which show they faced each other on, one of these Saudi shows. But they basically just, for the one promo segment they did together highlighting it, they, they all but said, we're fighting because they're giving us a lot of money to fight in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so let's Fair. just... Let's needle each other for 12 minutes and then have a match. I really enjoyed that. But I, I think if you can spin... it, it may, We know what these Saudi shows are. And when you get past the sort of thin paper layer at the top, they're a little bit grungy and a little bit dirty. And we don't want to think about that if we're just wrestling fans. So the fact that they're now within wider storyline and wider canon does make it a bit easier to swallow. Some of the non-wrestling highlights from the Crown Jewel last month included the what have I been smoking moment of The Undertaker introducing Pitbull on stage the night before in Saudi Arabia to kick off a yard season. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. What? Yeah. Okay, that's the thing. Uh, History-making moments from the show. Um, Jessica Carr becoming walking out to be one of the first female referees uh, at a WWE Saudi Arabia WWE show. Uh, something that was that was asked for by Edge, who has said glowing things about Jessica Carr, uh, the referee, and said that she's really stepped up her game and she was an excellent referee and wanted her to officiate. The, the the three matches that he had against Seth Rollins. Uh, also, the first uh, Muslim singles match on pay-per-view took place. Uh, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. And there was also... Uh, the, the There was a moment in that that genuinely popped the live crowd, and it was the arrival of Olympic, Olympic medalist Tariq Hamidi, who came out at the end of the match to save Mansoor from a beating and walked all the way down to the ring like his face covered and then revealed himself in the ring, and it was the biggest pop of the night for Tariq Hamidi. It was huge. And I thought that was... A, like. Every, like a lot of people probably not paying attention to the world outside of wrestling would have gone, huh? Like I, like as soon as like Michael Cole did a great job of going exactly who that is and explained why the reaction was so great. I thought that was a really nice touch having, having to, and you know what? It was a good kick. It was a bloody good kick. It was. Blasted Ali. I like that a lot. <laughs> he, he did. He, he filled his spot really well. It's like when they come to England and, and Wayne Rooney gets involved at Monday Night Raw or you, you, you pop the live crowd and they did a fantastic job. And as you rightly highlighted, Tom, Michael Cole, he gets a lot of grief, but he did a fantastic job of explaining to us who don't know who that was, exactly what was going on. And that's what you need. How wonderful was it to see, um, we saw Zelina Vega crowned the Queen's Crown Tournament winner and Xavier Woods, uh, fulfilling his childhood dream of becoming the WWE King of the Ring. That was a wonderful moment. I think I never thought I'd be in a situation where I didn't want Finn Balor to win a match. Mm. But they did a fantastic... I mean, we King uh, uh, King Woods, Xavier Woods has done a, a wonderful job of, of telling that story himself. And, and it's a real... Uh, a, a real case study for you know speaking something into existence. And it was a genuinely heartwarming moment. The only constant is change. For the first- 
first pick of the WWE Draft. A two-night event. Raw versus SmackDown, a constant battle for brand supremacy. The entire landscape of WWE changes. Let's get the draft underway. The future is on the clock. The 2020 WWE Draft begins on Friday Night SmackDown, continues on Monday Night Raw on USA Network. Talk to us about the draft this month then. The last month, Mitch. Talk to us about the draft. Yeah, so the annual WWE Draft was once again across two nights in early October, uh, setting our Raw and SmackDown rosters for the foreseeable future. Uh, So let's talk about some of those notable changes. So night one, we saw Drew McIntyre go from Raw to SmackDown. Hit Row called up from NXT to SmackDown. The then Raw Women's Champion Charlotte Flair moved to SmackDown. And Edge and Bianca Belair switching from SmackDown to Raw. Uh, That was on the SmackDown show on October the 1st. And then October the 4th on Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch moved to Raw. I think we all kind of saw that coming, having seen Charlotte switch. Uh, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and the Street Path, uh, Street Paffets, Street Profits. Street Paffets, the famous tag team, the Street Paffets. <laughs> the Street Paffets are now on Raw instead of SmackDown. Managed by Raw. Tony Clark, my dad's mate. Them. <laughs> <laughs> it's always this is dangerous, Doc. This is so dangerous. <laughs> um, NXT stars Rich Holland and Isaiah Lee called up to SmackDown as well, and perhaps the most. Ex- um, surprising moment of the draft. I, I forgot how to use words then. Are you drunk, uh, bitch? <laughs> Are you still drunk from your birthday? I'm not as think as a drunk I am. Fair. <laughs> uh, Gable Stevenson was drafted to Raw despite not even wrestling for WWE yet. And, and my favourite mo- moment of the entire draft was Brock Lesnar interrupting a Jeff Hardy interview and saying I'm not being drafted because I'm a free agent because and winking at the camera like like a cheeky little boy give us the old Brock Lesnar wink I like that the the draft is one of those things that I genuinely look forward to every it's like a birthday I look forward to it every year and then it's here and it's just a bit flat and a bit disappointing and a Mm. bit I you can't you almost big it up in your head and then it's underwhelming do we need a draft still? For as many people on that roster, I, I'm personally a fan of the split rosters when it's done properly. And mm. that's because I want to see as many wrestlers highlighted as possible because that there is a lot of talent in WWE. And I would worry if we didn't have it, you would see the same 15 to 20 names across five hours of television every week. Um, and so I, that's where I'm in favor of it. But they're not doing it very well. I mean, a lot of the reports coming out of the draft this year. I mean, how many tag teams, you know, especially female tag teams, there's now only really one left and that's the reigning women's tag team champions. And one of the uh, reports from Fightful Select this month, uh, back in October, said like when it was pointed out by like members of the roster and staff and creating, why are we, this doesn't logically make sense. Why are we splitting up these tag teams when, you know, USA Network would draft a tag team and, and Fox would get two for the price of one by drafting Natalia and Tamina? They were basically told, yeah, don't worry about it. Mm. And it's, you know, you're trying to create a, a narrative in a TV show that makes us, you know, we talk about suspending disbelief and, you know, you're trying to create a world that we believe in, but these, some of these decisions do not make logical sense. They don't. And I think that'll be the case, I think, forever. I think they, yeah. they don't like tag teams. And it's weird because no. they have multiple tag team divisions. 
Like they they don't, but they don't like tag teams. They like splitting them up. There was talk of more being split up. There was a conversation that was held, according to reports, of AJ Styles and Omos being split up during the draft. And then, but everybody kind of went, no, Omos isn't ready to go solo. Keep them going. <laughs> like, well, there was talk. Is there not enough reports. teams being split? <laughs> you know, there was reports of the street, not the street profits, the street profits being yeah. split up in the draft. So, and, you know, Angelo Dawkins is a, uh, you know, Angelo Dawkins is a brilliant wrestler and Montez Ford is a star in the making, mm-hmm. but they are, they're not, you don't need to separate them to make a single star there. No, no. The New Day has proved that. The New Day has proved that you can keep a team together and you can still make individual stars. Like the New Day, two of them have become WWE champions without splitting up the New Day and a King of the Ring winner now. Like, and none of that, and they haven't split them up. Like they split them up in terms of brands, but they haven't like divided the team in any way. Like they've kept the, the sort of the nucleus of the team together. Talking about the sort of rosters on the whole, WWE have again... They've again done that thing where they've, I just feel like they've left SmackDown a bit short. And what was, you know, they did it last year. And what was brilliant about last year, in my opinion, you looked at those rosters and you sort of went, oh my God, you know, the likes of uh, Sheamus and, and AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy and, you know, names that were kind of consistent, you know, top mid card to top star SmackDown stars moving to Raw. It kind of left smackdown short or it felt like at the time smackdown was left a bit short but then you had people like cesaro and shinsuke nakamura and jay uso and names that you maybe not thought about stepping up stepping up and it created new stars so i still feel like smackdown has been left a little short this year but i look forward to seeing who steps up in do you think that's why because on smackdown you've got the biggest name in the company you've got roman reigns Mm. And you can, whoever you put rim with Roman Reigns, there's a star power that is attached to them. And on Raw, meanwhile, you've got what is meant to be the flagship show. I don't know if it is anymore. Um, with ratings that are just fighting to stay up and the show that is you know, really losing the imagination of a lot of wrestling fans. So, yeah, I think there is, there is more of a a desperation to, to make raw feel fresh and exciting because they know on SmackDown, they've got Roman Reigns and they can build the product around him. Whereas raw, you've got Big E as the WWE champion, which is amazing. But I, I still think you need a few more elements on raw to do that. And I think that's probably why it's that way. But I think it's an extra hour long. (laughs) Right. There is that. that extra. That extra hour, that extra hour drags so much. Oh, does um, it? Yeah, but they make so much money from it. We had, we you know, oh, when we, a few months ago when we did the episode, we talked about Nick Khan's interview. Nick Khan was mm. like, "Hey, if I could make Raw seven hours long, I would." Like, Jesus Christ! Please give me don't money. put Nick. Please don't put Nick Khan in charge of contracts. It'd be a terrible, oh, terrible no. decision. But yeah, I look. I I do agree with you, Tom. I think Raw needs all the help it can get at the moment. Whereas SmackDown, when SmackDown is booked well. And you let it revolve for two hours around the uh, the Roman Reigns bloodline angles and storyline. It's fantastic. And I go back to when you had the sort of infighting amongst the Usos when, uh, you know, Jimmy Uso came back and they were doing three segments every two hour show. It was fantastic. And maybe SmackDown needs to get a little bit back towards that. And then Raw needs to focus on, we talk about it a lot, some coherent logical booking. Coherent logical booking, please. Just a little bit is all we ask. 
I, I get fed up of asking for the same thing. So. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Becky asking Charlotte to relinquish the championship first. The Raw women's title. This is a massive ordeal. It takes forever to become champion, to just hand over your title has to be incredibly difficult. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sonia Deville giving out orders. Survivor Series. So no Becky Kubas. So with the draft came some new homes for new champions. This brought us to a segment on SmackDown where the women's championships changed hands, quite literally. The title exchange between the Raw Women's Champion Charlotte Flair, now drafted to SmackDown, and the SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch, now drafted to Raw, uh, caused quite a stir last month didn't it mitch talk us through it I, it did cause a slight uh, slight issue for wwe so as you rightly say tom on the october 22nd episode of smackdown wwe advertised a championship exchange ceremony between charlotte flair and becky lynch now what we know is the scripted plans for that segment called for lynch to take the raw women's title from charlotte flair raise both championships above her head uh, sort of highlighting the old Becky Two Belts uh, moniker. Um, what actually happened was Flair deviated from the plan script and dropped her title belt to the canvas. So if you've watched this segment, and good luck finding it, because WWE are pulling it from everywhere, uh, it caused some very visible tensions in the ring between Flair Lynch and Sonya Deville. Uh, reports 
following the show suggested that the uh, Lynch and Flair got into a bit of a confrontation backstage, uh, right in front of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard in gorilla position, and this resulted in Flair being escorted from the building by security. Uh, further reports have obviously come out since then, Tom, uh, around Flair's standing in WWE. Um, notably, that some members of the women's roster find her quite difficult to work with, that she has isolated herself from the rest of the division, uh, it's been reported she's getting heat for trying to overprotect herself in her position. And one report even claimed that privately her inner circle wanted her to try and get out of her deal with WWE. Uh, in the week following the incident, WWE pulled Flair from some media appearances. Uh, the, as I said, the, the segment has been edited out of the network, out of YouTube. Um, but nothing seems to have come from it since. Flair seemed to subtly reference it with a wink emoji, uh, a, a wink gif on social media, uh, and it's kind of been left there. It's the segment itself. There are other people that have uploaded it to YouTube. It's it's there to find if you can find it. But yeah, the tension's very palpable. I mean, the 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 crowd chanting Becky two belts. The story was meant to be that, as you say, Becky was meant to briefly hold both title belts up and Charlotte Flair made that not happen by dropping the belt. Uh, so as Becky went to grab it and, and this, and, and he, I think then the fact that Charlotte then did a bit on the mic where she said, Hey, do you, uh, Hey, what's this? Do you want to hold this one and beat Becky two belts? Almost alluded to the fact that was going to happen. And then yeah. even Pat McAfee on commentary was going, well, I guess she's not Becky two belts tonight. Like I, which I think was another little giveaway that maybe Pat knew her segment was going to go down and kind of did that to almost fill in the fact that it didn't. I feel like that's, I, I feel like that bit from Pat McAfee was almost someone over explaining it. Like didn't need yeah. to say anything, but he obviously knew something was going to happen and referenced it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, Charlotte, yeah. So Charlotte Flair's situation in WWE doesn't like from what we hear from sources, uh, it, it's a bit toxic around her at the moment. Uh, what are the chances do you think of her getting out of her WWE contract and maybe heading to AEW? This is a big question, Mitch. But what's your oh opinion? my gosh, you have dropped a bomb on me here. Tom. Yeah, um, I mean, because because I'm I'm intrigued to know what you think on th that possibility if that would be a thing. I think if someone really, really wants to get out of their contract, they can get out of their contract. But I think there is also something to be said that Charlotte Flair will be the, if not the top, in the top two or three highest earning female wrestlers in WWE. Mm -hmm. She is, you know, we've heard reports that WWE are planning to make her the first ever 17-time world champion in the coming months and years. This is a... This is a performer who is quite, you know, take away all the narrative around the, the person that people say Charlotte Flair is. And this is always difficult when you write news because it's, it's really hard to convey emotion in simple language when you write language. And, and it's something that I myself have thought about a lot when reporting these stories about Charlotte Flair because the last thing I want anyone, you know, it to look like is we as a, a brand are piling on this one person or, or, or we as a company are, are trying to incite a negative reaction to this, this one person. But Charlotte Flair is one of the very best performers, one of the very best sports entertainers in the world. Without and doubt. Any, you know, so any company would be lucky to have her. To answer your sort of original question, I don't think, I don't think Charlotte Flair gets out of her contract. I think the, what the possibility is, is Charlotte Flair lets her contract run out 
and we go from there. But when that expires, we 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 don't seem to to really know. I mean, I just want to throw you know this is my chance to plug coldholic.com and, and Jack King, as I've mentioned before, does a fantastic weekly feature on a Wednesday, and he wrote about this in the uh, in the week following and. Jack made a fantastic point. Yeah, Charlotte's flares were, you don't do that on live TV. You don't stitch up your fellow performers. But he has been written into a really crappy corner with a championship exchange. Because mm-hmm. who wants to see a championship? We didn't want it last year when it happened between the New Day and the Street Profits. No one wants it this year. And not being funny, WD, you had two championship matches in the week prior. Bianca Belair could have won the Raw Women's title from Charlotte Flair. And Sasha Banks could have won the SmackDown Women's title from Becky Lynch. And you're off to the races with new champions and fresh feuds. I think they're just reluctant to give Bianca Belair the big win right now. I think they're holding off on that. And I, and I don't blame them for that. Like my, hmm. putting my, my creative head on, like the way I would have suggested that be done is you go, all right, I tell you what, then on SmackDown, you have a triple threat match um, with Sasha Bianca and Becky. And the first fall is for the Raw Women's title. The second fall is for the SmackDown Women's title. You have Becky do a like a cheap roll-up, tacky win over Charlotte to become the Raw Women's Champion. And Charlotte returns the favor with a cheap roll-up on Becky to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bianca doesn't get pinned. There's a match that explains why it happened. And both have lost in, in screwy fashion, but both have won in screwy fashion. So it's a very level playing field, but you get a match out of it. You get a more of a just more than just here's your belt and here's your belt. Like, look, as yeah. lest we forget the, the title exchange, regardless of the core of the problems it has caused, was a crap idea. <laughs> you know what? Was a you know what, crap idea. You know what they could do that just, you know, anything else. What, Anything else? This might be a bit wild to them. How about you don't call them the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles <gasps> and you don't color them red and blue and we go back to having the WWE and world tag team titles or, you know... Floating uh, champions. Like, one champ across them all. Floating champ, one championship across every brand. That I'm not against that as a thing. Like, Roman Reigns is money. Like, make Roman mm. Reigns the one champ across them all. Um... I think I, I think from a business point of view, rather than a creative point of view, they have rosters with separate top belts and stuff. So when they go on tour, they can have a, a title match in the main event every time. Yeah, I, I, no, I understand the business side of it. <laughs> it. It does make sense because you've got 12 toy belts you can sell now instead of four or five. <laughs> so kids are going to love that. But mm. you completely diminish what those belts mean by having so many. But as we always say on this podcast, Tom, WWE aren't a wrestling company. They're a marketing sports entertainment company. They, they certainly are. So it's not for our place to talk about how they use their championships. His arm is given out. That's it. 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 No other sport can do this. Yeah, I don't chant much of it, but you know what? You deserve it. Look at this. Look at that boy's face. What the? What? What? Damn you, Moose! Damn you, Moose! No, damn you, Moose! Get him out of Get him out of there! Is he calling the shot? No! 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 
is watching. When we talk about championships, uh, one particular title change this past month uh, has had a lot of people talking. Uh, let's go to Impact Wrestling for Bound for Glory 2021, the big near end of year show, the annual staple event for Impact Wrestling. What went down, Mitch? I, I love when we talk about Impact Wrestling, Tom, because it's mm. one of the most positive parts of the podcast every month. And, it is, and Bound isn't for it? Glory is it? Yeah, Bound for Glory is going to be no exception. A wonderful show presented on Saturday, the 23rd of October. Uh, yeah, a nine-match card, and it really swept in the changes in terms of champions on the Impact roster. The debuting inspiration claiming the knockout tag team titles, Mickey James winning the knockout title from Diona Perazzo. Jordan Grace becoming the first Impact Digital Media champion. Please change that name, Impact. Digital um, Media. <laughs> Welcome to the Digital Media Championship. Digital belt. Media Champion. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate the name. <laughs> Love that Jordan Grace um, won it, but I hate the name. Yeah. Trey Miguel won the X Division title in a really good triple threat match. And onto the main event, well, what we thought was the main event, Christian Cage defended the Impact World title against Josh Alexander in a, a just a, what we knew would be an excellent match. And it, and it really lived up. Uh, Alexander winning by submission, you know, a clean win for the challenger, which I think we all wanted to see. But as he celebrated in the ring with his family, who should cash in his cool, his shot trophy that he won earlier in the night, but Moose, big bad Moose cashed in with Alexander's family still in the ring, becoming the Impact Champion. Um, I mean, let's talk about the card first, Tom. Impact booked a really good show and it delivered. Great night, great night. I think Trey Miguel became a particular standout for Impact on that night. Uh, New X Division Champion, he's a guy you can build that division around without a doubt. Mm. I think Mickey James getting the... A few people have um, been upset with Mickey James becoming the Knockouts Champion. Uh, I genuinely think that with what was going to happen at the end of the night, you needed that big feel-good singles title moment. And yeah. I think that Mickey James, the the, the baby-faced veteran, overthrowing the cocky, arrogant youngster in Diana Perazzo was exactly the tonic for what we would get in the main event. I'm not against that at all. Perazzo's winning back at some point, and that's fine with me. Uh, the inspiration making there a debut for Impact Wrestling as a knockout, in winning the knockouts tag team titles immediately. I think this is this is a wonderful, wonderful time to debut them as well. Uh, the knockouts division in, in Impact is, is a knockout. It's excellent. Mm. There's the it's the strongest uh, female-based division in in the at least in the Western Hemisphere of professional wrestling. Like they they just have a wonderful uh, smorgasbord, a collection of of different and like and a, and a legit tag division amongst it as well. Now with the inspiration in there, a lot of people might cry foul, but the inspiration coming in on their first night and becoming the champions, I'm fine with it. Like, let's just crack on. They're, they're great. They're, you know, they're not... Marketable. They're marketable. They're not one of these teams that that are just are, are living off past glory. And there's a lot of love for them. And they feel like that they're, everybody, the general consensus with the inspiration is, as the Iconics, they got the, they got the thin end of the wedge in WWE. So it's a great chance for them 
to, to really show what they can do. And that main event, right? So Josh Alexander and Christian Cage had an excellent match, had a great match. And the whole spot at the end, people got upset by this, Mitch. People felt this was the wrong thing to do, like to not give Josh Alexander his night. And, and I've never felt more removed from the greater wrestling fan narrative in my life because I thought this was brilliant. I thought this was amazingly done. His family in the ring, his wife and his son, Matt Stryker. I mean, a little bit over egg in the pudding on commentary by like sobbing. A little bit over egg, Matt. <laughs> In my in my opinion, I'm nobody, but in my opinion, a little bit over egged. Um, and then here's Moose, one spear with his wife and kids still in the ring, wins the belt. And that shot, that shot of the, the Josh Alexander's son, like cradling his dad's head, his wife stood next to him, and Moose with one foot on Josh Alexander holding up the belt. Oh god, it's it's heel work 101. Oh it's great, it's wonderful. so good. I I feel like Tom, me and you against the rest of the wrestling world here. Yeah. Because I and, and and here's the thing, you're right. What's wrestling meant to do? It's meant to make you feel emotion. And this compared to me to Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam 2013. He gets oh, his big yeah. moment and you take it away from him. And you hate it, but you also have to appreciate it because it was so brilliantly done and as you said earlier give me stories i want to tune in for mm-hmm. i think we all watched impact on the thursday night after and here's the thing and this is what i this is why i think this is the right move for impact is because bound for glory very much became like the crossroads of of wrestling like forbidden doors swinging open left right and center stars from new japan from triple a from aw from nwa uh, we're all part of that show in some way, shape, or form. So the final moment being a focus solely on two impact guys with an impact storyline for the impact championship. That's exactly how they should have ended it without any other uh, stars of other promotions. These are our guys. This is our lead story. This is where we're going for the next six months. And uh, I, I think the, cha- the, the, the thrill now is in the chase for Josh Alexander to get back there. And uh, they started that off beautifully, uh, Alexander and Monaro Suzuki getting amongst it. So if there was ever any doubt that Josh Alexander is is in the top flight to stay, like that doubt is washed away with how they're presenting him on impact following his loss to Moose. He's a guy that is going to fight and scratch and claw to get another crack at it. And then when he beats Moose, that's when the journey begins proper. Great Let's talk about some... Let's talk about some of the uh, rumoured names that were expected at Bound for Glory and perhaps didn't, well, they didn't show up. We'll talk about uh, Windham, Re- Windham Rotunda, the former Bray Wyatt, uh, mm-hmm. Adam Schur, the former Braun Strowman, and the former Bronson Reed Jonah. All three were uh, heavily speculated to be at Bound for Glory in Las Vegas in October. None of them turned up. Um, of the three, it seemed like Jonah was the most likely, Tom. There was apparently a, an agreement there, and immigration issues seemed to stop the uh, stop the deal from happening. Yeah, that, I heard that Jonah was on the cards, was down to be part of the cards for that night, and was pulled from it before. I, I presume he was going to be a surprise, but he was pulled mm. from the card, so didn't even get onto it. Yeah, and the other two then, uh, both both similar stories for Wyndham Rotunda and for Adam Shear, formerly Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. Uh, no deal had been confirmed, signed, finalised. No, they were still negotiating that. We thought Braun Strowman was a shoe in 
you know, for months, Scott, you know, we heard about Scott Demore calling it Braun for Glory on that live call. He had a meeting with Braun Strowman like the week beforehand. There was Braun Strowman sightings on a flight to Vegas on the weekend of Bound for Glory. And it all was just like to the point where like, OK, he didn't turn up. Maybe he'll be at the tapings and he wasn't. So nothing's been sorted with them. But I still think he'll be a great fit. If he turns up, I still think he'd be a really good fit, as would uh, Wyndham Rotunda. We'll talk a bit more about Wyndham in a little bit. Um, but Jonah, uh, got another guy who uh, you know listened to his interview with, with Ross on Straight to Hell, and Jonah just comes across as a really nice guy. And, uh, and another guy, I think, if not there, then New Japan for Jonah, in my opinion. Give me, I agree. Give, me give me Jonah knocking, knocking heads in New Japan. Be nice, I think uh, I, I think I think you're right. I think all three would be great fits for Impact. Jonah seems to be a shoe in. I think given the the comments he's made in interviews since, it, that seems to be a case of uh, when, not if. Once his his visa visa issues are all sort of uh, finally resolved, um, the other two, I would have no problem seeing them in, in Impact. I think. I think these are three names that I kind of, we always say, oh, someone leaves WWE, they're going to end up in AEW. I think these are three names that don't necessarily need to end up in AEW. And I know we're going to talk more about Windhelm, Windhelm Rotunder in a little bit, but he would be someone that I think would be an incredible fit for New Japan. Mm. So you could do, they're all special people that could do very special things. Uh, none were part of Impact, but you know what? There was a lot to shout about uh, for Impact Bound for Glory this past month. Oh, Halloween, my kind of holiday. The costumes, the candy, the carnage. What's not to love? Is that special time of year when things get a little scary, a little darker, a little more violent? And tonight your old pal Chucky is here, which means there's gonna be a whole hell of a lot of violence. <laughs> Halloween happy! Happy Halloween! NXT put its 2.0 roster, its shiny new set of stars to the test with not a takeover, but its first television special with NXT Halloween Havoc. What went down on the spookiest night of the year, Mitch Bodden? Well, we got a, a show, Tom, that was more extreme than Extreme Rules. Yes, it was, wasn't it? It was very, very enjoyable. The first sort of super show since the relaunch of NXT in September, Halloween Havoc on Tuesday, the 26th of October, and three championships changed hands with Imperium taking the NXT tag team titles off of MSK. Uh, toxic attraction duo JC Jane and Gigi Dolan capturing the NXT women's titles in a triple threat ladder match, and Mandy Rose defeating Raquel Gonzalez, in a, I think it was a trick or street fight. Trick or street fight was Chucky's choice. That's the one. Uh, to become the new NXT Women's Champion with a uh, help of uh, Dakota Kai and her spade. Uh, but the belt that everyone thought was going to change hands didn't because Tommaso Ciampa defeated Bron Baker. Bron Breaker. Bron Baker's in that faction with the street profits and your dad. <laughs> and Tony Clark. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, defending the NXT title against Bron Breaker, Tommaso Ciampa keeping his belt. Uh, and what I thought was a very good match, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed Halloween Havoc. I thought it was a really good show. It kind of it really, having introduced NXT 2.0 with the relaunch, uh, six weeks earlier it was a real sort of coronation of those new names and the new direction but still keeping those uh, 
old inspirations dotted in as well. I really enjoyed this. Uh, injury scare with Io Shirai in our opening match. That was uh, a nerve-wracking moment. Shirai came off the ladder badly re- and landed rough to the point where people went, oh my God, she's in trouble. And she and, and she later went on to reassure us that she's fine. She, she took a really bad-looking bump in that ladder match. Again, and there was some concern, there was some criticism from, from fans online going into this show that these, these six uh, were going to be inexperienced in a ladder match on the whole. Io Shirai, not so much, but certainly all the others making ladder match debuts. And there was a concern for like, why would you put so many greener wrestlers in in other people's opinion into a triple threat ladder match it's asking for mm. trouble but i thought they they were excellent they all worked incredibly hard and made some real magic in there uh, there was a um and amongst all of this there was a return to nxt which was the which was the return to kota kai attacking Raquel mm. Gonzalez to cost her the NXT women's title. Mandy Rose winning her first championship in WWE on that night. Uh, and uh, Dakota Kai's back on NXT because there was conversation that Kai was going to be part of the main roster soon, wasn't there? Yeah, everyone, there'd been a lot of reports and, and rumours and innuendo that, that Kai was going to get called up during the uh, the draft one way or another to either Raw or SmackDown. That obviously didn't happen and, and she's back on NXT. And you know what? If there wasn't a space, we you know, we criticised WWE for calling people up and then not using them. So if there wasn't a space and there wasn't a plan for her on Raw or SmackDown, because she's a very good wrestler, then keep her on NXT and keep her doing what she's doing. They've only had one match between her and, and Gonzalez, and that was a team for a while. So there's at least another match in that. So I've got no problem with this. We had a debut on the night as well, as we got our first glimpse of the younger brother of the Usos, Solo Sokoa, who I just think looks like a star. He looks like money. That, mm. You can hear Vince McMahon, I smell money. You know, I smell this is- money, yeah. He looks like he's going to be a big star. I've predicted the. See, I I predicted this not realizing how soon the next the the next takeover was going to be. I didn't think we were going to get one till next year, and I went right the day the the first main event of the next takeover will be Brom Breaker versus Solo Sokoa. But it's now, as we have discovered, it's not going to be that long until we get another takeover, is it? No, uh, so reports uh, that came out earlier this week actually suggesting that the first takeover event of the NXT 2.0 era will take place in early December. I think Sunday the fifth or sixth of December. I don't have a calendar in front of me, <laughs> so um, less than a month. Just oh, just over a month away from today. Just just over a month away. Um, I mean, we don't even know if they're still going to be called takeovers. You know, given this is a new NXT era. Um, mm. But this will be this will be interesting to see how WWE decide to. Uh, to, to present this and does this become the big crowning moment for Mr. Bron Breaker? Maybe it does then. Maybe this is the night where we get Champa Breaker too and this is where Breaker does it because I think a lot of people thought they would just immediately put the belt on Breaker and off to the races we go. I, I'm, I was surprised they are holding off on it. They want to give him a few more weeks just to get to, get to where he needs to be. I think it's inevitable that Bron Breaker is coming up NXT champion. It's inevitable. It really, really six, is. Six weeks into uh, NXT 2.0, Tom, what do you think? Do you know what? I'm, I am on the whole enjoying what I'm seeing. They threw a lot at us very quick. Like there was, there was a lot of growing pains with it because it was sort of so very sudden. 
but it's it's it feels very refreshed. It does. Mm. There are there's a lot of wrestlers in there that are just very one note uh, characters and one note wrestlers. So it's a very green roster on the whole. Obviously, you've got some experienced guys within there, but it's a very green roster and you can tell. But then that's what a developmental territory is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be the best ones. It's where they come in and they cut their teeth and find their feet and find their voice. And that's what this show is. And you know what? For that reason, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it in a different way to how I enjoyed uh, NXT 1.0. Like this is less about... Uh, that scintillating work rate and those really high profile quality matches. This is more just about watching guys who are probably going to be WWE sports entertainment stars in years to come. And I kind of get a vibe that this roster is packed with more people who can move up to the main roster intact than, than anybody else. You know, I think mean, I feel bad for carrying cross as I think he's probably going to be the last person to, to, to go through the uh, to, to, to go through the system so badly, like to, to be twisted and bent and then thrown onto the main roster like this. Whereas you've got guys like Bron Breaker who could easily transition to SmackDown. He's this week. Bron Breaker is in the UK. He is on the he's on the SmackDown side of the UK tour. Uh, him, Tommaso Ciampa, and Sami Zayn are having a series of triple threat matches for the NXT title. Then in London, uh, they're having a one on one Ciampa versus Breaker for the NXT title there. So they're already trying out Ron Breaker as part of the main roster. So like, and, and he will transition incredibly well into that role as well. He really will, more so than others will. Looking ahead mm. for WWE, uh, they've for the first time ever, they've uh, yeah, and you wrote this, and I thought they've never done this. You're right, they've announced all their shows for 2022. They have so WWE uh, confirmed to us, to the wider world, their entire pay per view plan for 2022 on Monday, the 25th of October. So, the big takeaway from this, Tom. Once again, WrestleMania will be a two-night event. WrestleMania 38 will emanate from Dallas, Texas on Saturday the 2nd and Sunday the 3rd of April. Now, as I said, this is the uh, announcement of all of WWE's pay-per-views for the next calendar year. So a nine pay-per-view events have been confirmed in the announcement. WWE have also revealed further shows are planned for February and October 2022. These are believed to be the uh, Saudi Arabia events, uh, venues and de- dates confirmed for the likes of Money in the Bank, Royal Rumble, which we already knew, SummerSlam Survivor Series, and our, our UK-based uh, WWE fans will note the lack of an arena or location for the show that's planned for the first weekend of September, because there's been a lot of rumours, Tom, that WWE are coming back to the UK for a major show. So Wrestling's coming home, it's coming home. It's coming out. It's coming. It's coming. coming out. Yeah, so that is the rumor. There's a there was a lot of speculation that we would get a summer slam in Wembley. We've talked about it on previous mm-hmm. top tens. Um, that's not the case. SummerSlam is staying in America. But this date, Saturday, September 3rd, Sunday, September the 4th, pay-per-view at a location to be determined. It's very likely to be a UK pay-per-view. In terms of locations that are in the running, uh, I've heard Old Trafford mentioned. Uh, the home of Manchester United. Uh, I've even heard the Etihad mentioned 
randomly, okay. but I don't think by a credible source. So I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, but the big one, which um, I think we talked about a bit last month, Alex McCarthy from TalkSport played a blinder on this one. Uh, it was uh, the Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales, was, a, was a, a hot contention for this UK pay-per-view. My concern would be the, um, the, 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 the an American company genuinely recognising there is a difference between England and Wales. That's my fear, <laughs> is that they won't. Like Black cabs and beef eaters. Black Cardiff. cabs and beef eaters on the stage for takeout, for, for, for whatever pay-per-view in Cardiff. All right, Gavner, I'm from Cardiff. Like, I, <laughs> I hope that, I, I hope that, um, that Tegan Knox or maybe who else is Welsh on that roster? Uh, Mark Andrews or Flash Morgan yeah. Webster uh, can put together like a, a laminated sheet on the difference between England and Wales, just so they've got some frame of reference. <laughs> That's my fear. Um, the other, the, the other noteworthy thing in there is uh, they've changed their mind on WrestleMania, which I'm delighted about. WrestleMania was going to be the Sunday mm. and they were going to do one big bulky day. They've decided, no, we're going to do it over two days. And that's a day. Everybody wins because WWE can go, well, we could sell twice as many tickets to the same show. We can sell. And the, the stadium's like, we can sell twice as many concessions for the same show. And as fans, we can go, we can sleep that's brilliant. I would. I am so happy. Like the last two years, when it's been two nights of WrestleMania, it, it's it's helped my mental state to know that it'll finish. Absolutely. Finish at three a.m. I can get to bed for a few hours, and then we do it all again on the Sunday. That has helped my mental state no end. <laughs> oh no, it's it's been the best decision all around, and you know we. Yes, it means we work two nights rather than one, but I would rather that, and and present coherent you know be able to present a coherent article on dot com or you know i'm sure you guys by the end of an eight hour show an eight hour live stream or reactions or or what happened that eight hours late oh my gosh that must be you know oh. you these things at seven o'clock in the morning that must be horrendous oh the reaction the live reactions are uh, 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 uh something else like you know the, the live reactions that i'll do or adam does or that andrew and ross does uh the the live reactions uh, i mean they're great fun but they are tiring because you having to keep the entertainment up all the way through. I know, tough job, right? Um, <laughs> they're, they're great fun, though. Um, but then that week, like Alex, Alex jokes that she says, oh, during WrestleMania week, I just become like a widow. I become single. Like, I don't see you. Because you just and but she she recognizes that that's just the nature of the beast. It's our it's our yeah. busiest it's our biggest week of the year. So I for one I know that week is probably going to be I, I can predict that week will be raw on the Monday probably and and if they do this again NXT yeah. on the Tuesday maybe a maybe a takeover on the Wednesday night one takeover night two on the Thursday. Hall of or SmackDown on the Friday, Smackdown Friday, WrestleMania Night One on the Saturday, WrestleMania Night Two on the Sunday, Monday Night Raw after Mania on the Monday, and yeah, NXT after WrestleMania on the Tuesday. It's hectic, but we enjoy. It. Oh, Tom, I, oh, I love it. It was, you know, I think you did the same work, just work tonight because it was just just nocturnal, easier. like a hamster. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, do you remember? This is very UK specific. But do you remember the pubs opened on that Monday? We could go back to the pubs. Yeah, it was a very special day. That we were, yeah, we could go back to the pubs and we were all so 
happy and so tired. Although Some I was too knackered to go to the pub that day. I remember thinking, I'm just too tired to yeah, go to the pub. Didn't make it to gonna go to bed instead drink a yeah. can at home like i have done all through covid just quickly on this on this list of um uh, pay-per-views someone else noticed it and i didn't even know it notice it until i said it apart from money in the bank no gimmick specific pay-per-views tom no home to sell well bear in mind that we've got i'm looking at your sheet here in front of me may 8th is just listed as pay-per-view that's traditionally where maybe extreme rules might normally fall there or there or July or June even. Uh, I would be shocked if one of those becomes Hell in a Cell, at least. Maybe, maybe they're resting extreme rules for a year. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, I, I, I live in hope, you know, I, I'm an eternal optimist. I live in hope that we're returning to stipulations being feud enders rather than just being a, a date in the calendar because we saw it in Crown Jewel. We saw it with Hell in a Cell being used outside of a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. God forbid. Mm. Um, hopefully we're going back to that. I hope so. I really hope so. Do the right thing, WWE. Please. We have one story left. The freedom of Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, this really felt pertinent to mention because it was this final weekend uh, before the end of October that Bray Wyatt's no-compete clause ended. He's now a free agent, Mitch. Windham Rotunda's 90 days are up and can turn up anywhere he likes. He, uh, the former Bray Wyatt made sure we were all aware it was happening. He, he tweeted out two days on October the 28th, referencing the uh, non-compete expiring on October the 30th. Obviously, that has now since passed. At time of recording, no news as to where Wyatt will be ending up. He has been linked, as we said earlier, with Impact Wrestling. Tony Khan has said he'd be interested in having a chat uh, about AEW. A photo surfaced of Wyatt at Warner Media Studios uh, last week, earlier this week. Uh, uh, mid reports, he's fielding inquiries from Hollywood. Um, Bray Wyatt has got the whole world in his hands. He has indeed. And the, the this is a little bit of something that's that's come out today in November. So in theory, I shouldn't mention it, but it's worth noting because there are a lot of people going, where's he going to go? Is he going to do something in Hollywood? Is he going to go to AEW? Is he going to go to Impact? Is he going to go to New Japan? We can rule out like an independent wrestling run. Uh, Brett Lauderdale, who's the man behind GCW, was on Wrestling Inc. Daily. And he said that for, like, whilst he hasn't spoke directly to Bray Wyatt, his understanding from within his circuit is that an independent run isn't something that is on Bray Wyatt's list of things to do. And, uh, mm. and he, I, he doubts he'll ever see Bray Wyatt doing stuff on the indie. So the next thing that Bray does, I think it's immediately going to be a big one. I think so. And Bray is smart enough to know that he is a very valuable commodity. And the first thing he does after WWE is going to uh, draw a lot of eyeballs. You know, we, we, Bray, Bray's release from WWE, you know, they cited it as budget cuts, but it was clearly in spite of the money he made for the company because he was a big merch mover. He was a very popular talent. And whoever ends up with Windham Rotunda on their roster, be it AEW, Impact, New Japan, a new startup somewhere. Um, they are going to have a man who knows how to move tickets and move merch. They really, really are. Uh, another man who is very good at moving merch and tickets is the rated R superstar Edge. 
And we end the wrestling top 10 with a quiz every single week, whereby we go to cultaholic.com and check out the quiz section. And we take part in one of the quizzes from the website. Uh, Well, rather, I say we, it's Mitch. (laughs) Uh, Mitch, I'm going to put you to the test uh, with an edge-flavoured quiz from cultaholic.com. I would like you to name as many pay-per-view opponents of Edge. Now, if you go to cultaholic.com to take this quiz, you get 10 minutes, but I'm only giving Mitch 60 seconds because I think he's worth it. Right. Mitch, are you ready to take on the quiz? See how many Edge's opponents you can name. Let's do it. Let's do it. Three, two, one, and go. Uh, Well, I know how these things work, so let's just say the surname Hardy. Nice. 37 out of 279. (laughs) Dudley. Oh, you bugger. 55 out of 279. Uh, Cena. 68 out of 279. Orton. 80 out of 279. Undertaker. Undertaker. 88 out of 279. Oh, Christian. Christian. 93 out of 279. 25 Kane? seconds to go. Kane, that's got to be Kane. 101 out of 279. Wow. 20 seconds to um, go. Mysterio. Rey Mysterio. Yeah, 106 out of 279. Angle. Kurt Angle. 111 out of 279 with eight seconds to go. I'll throw Jericho at you and leave it there. Five, three, 122 out of 279. Wow. And time. Done. Wow, mate, that was great. That was excellent. 122 out of 279. I mean, I mean, that's impressive, mate. Well done. When, when you learn how these work, just throw surnames at it. You know, you know he's faced Matt and Jeff. You know he's faced Dudley's. Throw surnames at this. <laughs> worth noting. Worth noting. Uh, I won't do all the names because we'll be here all day because there's nearly 300 of them. But you can take the quiz yourself right now at cultaholic.com. That is where you will find the latest wrestling news plus features written by our very own Jack King, Jack Atkins, Aidan Gibbons, Justin Henry, and Mitch Wadden, among others, as well as Lewis Henry as well. Uh, you can check out from the website as well uh, more lists that you could shake a stick at. If you like the YouTube link, the YouTube lists that we do, we do a whole series of written lists over a cult holic.com right now Mitch what's coming up that we need to know about uh, Lewis House has got some fantastic lists as always coming up he's a, a brilliant one of the funniest writers I've ever met he's, he's excellent he's, is Lewis he's, he's very he's, very good he's a wonderful writer so please check out his list they come out every Friday and Sunday uh, I, I believe at the time of recording Jack's latest feature will now be live so you know go and check that out it's a very uh, divisive one this week we're talking about the uh, discourse between wwe and aew fans so go and give that a look uh well i mean we, as we touched on we've got full gear coming up next week we've got survivor series the week after so there'll be a lot of uh, very specific content around those coming up as well um i'm just trying to think what else there is on the website to go and check out oh uh, um jack atkins did a wonderful feature on ring of honor please, yes. please go and give that a read he's yes. yeah he did he worked really hard on a, a really good feature about the future of Ring of Honor, and it's well well worth a read. So please go and check that out. And thank you so much for your continued support of coldholic.com. It really does make a difference for us as a company, um, and it helps us to keep the lights on. 
And until we next switch the lights on, he is at Mitch Wadden on Twitter, your Cultaholic Tribal Editor-in-Chief. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us and love you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.